One thing that most performers can relate to is having a professional identity. And you own that identity so completely that when you come away from the industry, you can lose a part of yourself. I'm Candy, and today's chat is a very important topic. And with my dear friend and former West End musical actor and singer, Daryl Armstrong. Daryl spent several years as a performer, appearing in shows such as West End musicals like Les Miserables, to Olivier award-winning comedy, Jeeves and Worcester, in Perfect Nonsense. Daryl's rich and varied career saw him traveling to all corners of the globe, from playing a caterpillar in a production of Alice in Wonderland touring Italy, to being a lead singer in an Irish dance tour around Russia, China, and Europe. Daryl talks about his experience in the West End show and reflects on how incredibly tough being an actor is. A very interesting conversation that brings something different to my show. Okay, let's go. So what was the magical moment when you decided, I have to be an actor and singer? When I was around 10 or 11, I remember a teacher making me sing for a like school recital when I was like 10. And my uh, mum was told basically, oh, he's, he, could, he could sing a bit. He could, he should try and have some singing lessons. And had singing lessons, but it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm really love or invested in this. But then I saw a production of Les Miserables. And this was not too soon after my singing coach was like, oh, here's a song from Les Mis. Then from that moment that I saw the production, I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. This is amazing. It really excited me. And I went, went to acting lessons and I spent years and years and years kind of pursuing um that career and this I remember just seeing that show and how magical it was and that experience and seeing it evolve and it's like something I've never experienced before that was like a pivotal moment in me Mm -hmm. deciding like oh no like this is what I could do as a career so what was it exactly that you found to be really really magical about that particular show I think it was the first show I think I'd seen that was completely sung through. And it's the bombastic nature of the soundtrack and the light motifs that kind of intertwined within the story. And it's an epic story about mm. survival and about love and about revolution and kind of standing up for what you believe is right as well. Um, and I think that when you're watching a show like that, it kind of draws you in to, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. It's just the fact that at the very end, it's like everyone join, it's just like, do, will you join in our crusade? It's like everyone, it gives you that feeling of, oh, I want to stand up. I want to join these people who have like felt this wrong has been done to them. Yeah, I just think it's absolutely, it was an absolutely stunning piece of theatre. Um, and it just made me fall in love with, musical theatre in particular, and then I 
fell in love with acting and like film and TV and like straight plays. And there's like definitely different plays I've seen as well that draw me to them. But I definitely think Les Mis has, it has such a quality of it. This kind of, it's, it's so compelling and really, really good at drawing people into, drawing people into like his essence because it's all, all the things that people can identify with as a human being. Mm. And what a great advert for Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically just going, oh yeah, Les Mis is amazing. Just going to see the show is amazing. It but is that was a- like, it was like a pivotal moment in terms of my life, in terms of what I want to go and see and like what I want to then do as a, um, and become in becoming a performer obviously there's other things along the way that kind of shape and craft you but in terms of like that first starting moment that was definitely a pivotal starting moment for me mm. in terms of my decision to think oh I could I like this obviously like there's performances I did when I was a child and the moment that you kind of get on stage and you get that buzz like there's no nothing like it in terms of that adrenaline rush you get when you stand there and you feel completely naked in front of 100 people or 50 even 50 people and, that, and that's your drive and like that's it makes drive. you it makes you feel almost more comfortable yeah as soon o- as, off stage as soon as you go on yeah as soon as you on stage suddenly you kind of something happens almost you was turned to a different person you're just like oh i want to command this space i want people to look at me mm-hmm. um i want to be the center of attention for those <laughs> <laughs> those few moments or however long you're on stage and you want people to and you just get drunk off the applause um i think that's why people love theater so what do you think are the most important skills to have to be in the industry that you were in because i don't know all that much ab- about it not going behind the scenes you know when i was a dancer it was how you danced and how obviously being confident was really really important but we didn't really have much of a voice. It was all about how we moved and we had to be sort of very polite and, yeah. you know, so, so what was it like? What, what do you feel are the most important skills? Um, I think the biggest skill was resilience. I think you need to be told like, and be rejected a lot and accept that that's going to happen because it's just a part of the industry. It's your, for every 10 auditions, you'll be lucky to get one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's that being that kind of resilient and being and not taking on um rejection as a personal criticism. Obviously, you need to kind of build up your skills within mm. like you need to be if the more you can do, the more opportunities you're gonna get. Cause I went from acting into casting, so I know the fact that if you can ride a horse, if you can juggle if you can do very specific things, mm. other opportunities are going to open up for you. And then it's up to you with your own ability, showing you not just that one skill, that you can do other things and get more opportunities as well. Mm. So when you get rejected, do you do you find out sometimes the reason why so that you can go away and work at it? Is, is that a thing that you can do? Um very, very rarely. Really? Yeah, very rarely. Will someone say to you, you didn't get it and we think it's because of this? Because as an industry, it has no, it doesn't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. So they're never going to be like, it's not like you're going to school and they go, good job. 
you weren't quite right for this because of X reason. You need to work on your singing a bit more. It wasn't strong enough. You need to work on your acting a bit more. They'll just be like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get Kind of like Chorus Line, the movie. I'm picturing that where they just go, uh, they call out the numbers and yeah. everyone else, thank you, goodbye. Is it? Is it just like that? <laughs> yes. Whoa. I mean, I mean, Chorus Line is a massive hit for a reason. I think that there's a lot of similarities with that to the way the industry works, particularly when you're doing like a big dance call and i mean i'm just terrible i'm a terrible dancer so I'm very not true. No, <laughs> i very rarely get called get a dance call but it is very much like that is there's a huge difference as well between types of auditions you can do mm. so you have like the big dance call that usually be like a first call for an ensemble um in a musical and then they'll be like right d- learn the dance you'll be given probably learn it for that 30 minutes then you'd be split into groups of four or five, and then you'll be like, right, you two at the front, you three in the back, then at the end, switch over and you do it again. Mm-hmm. So you do the dance yeah. twice. And then at the end of that, they'll be like, can we see um, these names and the rest of people can go? That's it. Or they, even just numbers. Or even yeah. just numbers. And they can just be like, um, thank you very much. Um, you're not going to be in for the rest of the day. Mm. Then you have... Um, Music, like a, if you go to like a show like a Les Mis, you'll go first for a singing call. So okay. you'll have, you'll usually have to provide your own piece. So you'll do a song that you feel really comfortable doing that you think is reflective of the show. Yeah. But that's the kind of the first um, kind of stage. And then the second stage, they'll give you pieces from the show and they'll you'll have to then sing all of those parts in the audition. And then they'll go, great, thank you. Then you'll probably get another two or three recalls before they then decide if they're going to go for you or not. Right. With a film, TV, play audition, again, it's completely different. So you won't ever have to, or very rarely, I think I've only ever have to done, brought my own piece in once. Okay. And it was an improvised piece. So it was like, bring your own stuff, show us what you can do, just so you can act. And then we're going to do some improvisation, kind of workshop stuff. Um, but most of the time you'll just be given a script. You'll then do a reading with the director um, and they might have the other actor with, in with you. So you might be doing um, like a duologue together or a scene together. Um, you'll probably have like two, three rounds of doing those things mm. and then they'll decide whether they want to go for you. Film and TV, another thing. Oh, it's just like... But it's very thorough. It's very thorough. Yeah. It's like, and you've got to remember, it always feels like, particularly when you get a recall after recall after recall, it feels like you're getting that train, you're like almost going to get that train. Mm. And then sometimes the door's closed in the front of your face and you miss it. And it's like, oh, oh God, oh. I thought I was doing so well. Um, that must be, I mean, like you said, the resilience, that that skill, obviously that must be one of the biggest ones because that must happen so much. You know, you're oh, yeah. edging towards that part that you really, really want and then just quickly it's gone. Yeah. It happens so, uh, it's just a very cruel industry because it owes you nothing and it's highly, highly competitive. So mm. for every person that's currently performing, there's going to be like a thousand more people coming from drama schools throughout the country into the industry trying yes. to take the spot that you have. Um, oh, and it's tough. So it's, yeah. it's like, it's a tough grind. And if you, want to do it and if you love you have to love it more than anything else in the world mm. you can't imagine yourself doing anything else other than perform and i think if you have that it kind of 
see you through because you'll yeah. have like some rubbish times where you're not working and you're doing the quote unquote like real jobs mm-hmm. um but those real jobs are the things that kind of get you through so you can get those performing jobs yeah and get those opportunities to do things that do the thing you actually love yeah just bridging the gap keeping the finances steady yeah it makes sense so how did it feel when you were offered the part in Les Mis that must have been absolutely extraordinary I can remember because I was I it was basically I was very very lucky coming out of drama school so virtually every single audition I went to unlike what I was saying beforehand I got so I auditioned for a part I went uh, and doing a show in Italy and performing in diff- all around the country to different schools. Then I did a show, co- I got called in for a show called Godspell at the Union Theatre. And while I was at that, doing that show and in rehearsal for that show, I got a call from my agent after five rounds auditions, I think it was, um, and being like, oh, you've, you've been offered a part in Blame Is. And obviously you're thrilled and excited because it's the opportunity that you've always dreamed of. It's the show that drew me into theatre and the thing I said at the beginning was like, it was the really spectacular show that made me go fall in love with theatre in the first place. Um, And also it's though you think about the people who've like helped you along the way. Like if it wasn't for my mum, my granddad, my nan, all the things that they did support me and help me pursue the thing I wanted to do, I wouldn't have been able to get to that position. So getting that, finally getting that opportunity to go and perform in the West End in the show that I absolutely adored was amazing. It was like one of the greatest things in terms of my life that's happened to me because it's very rarely do you get that thing of you see something as a kid and then you go, I'd love to be in that and then you get the opportunity. Mm, So fulfilling that dream was amazing. So what's the atmosphere like in the show? Um, I mean, like re- rehearsals and the show itself. What What is it like? It seems like it would be a real family type kind of cast where everybody's there for each other. That's what I'm imagining looking in. But of course, maybe it's not quite like that. It's It depends because I think as well with a long standing show, it's very different to other shows I've done where I'm in an original cast or something or we're creating something for the first time where you're kind of finding things out for yourself Mm. and developing it and building it and creating it. And you kind of all come together to make this piece of art together. When you're in a long-standing show like Les Mis, parts already written, the people already in the show, when you go into rehearsals, some of the cast from the previous year stay. So they're still doing the show Ah. and they're in rehearsals at the same time. Does it go even further back as well? People that have been in it for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. There'll be people who have been there for like four or five years. Wow. And doing the same process. So that kind of excitement of, oh, my God, I'm in Les Mis. They don't really have. I get that. So they're kind of a bit like, oh, I'm doing this show again for (laughs) another year, Um, which is completely understandable why you'd be like, oh, a bit apathetic towards it. Mm -hmm. But obviously when you're first coming in, you're just like, oh, my God. And then you, I remember I was very, very lucky in the show I was in because it was just off the 25th anniversary and Alfie Bow um, and Matt Lucas joined the cast. So Matt Lucas, their first three months, had the phrase, it was also in it, Javert, 
We had Romain Carmelo come in as Valjean shortly after Alfie Bo left. So I had an unbelievable cast. So there was a bit of excitement about that. We were in the first show, first time it won an Olivier Award, which is unbelievable. And that was a fantastic opportunity. Obviously, like things and bumps on the road, like yeah. it's not, everything's not always going to be exactly as you dreamed, but it was still an amazing experience and one I will never forget. So what was your absolute favourite show that you ever performed at? Was it Name Is or was it a different show? Um, it's actually a different show um, called Between Empires, which is a show that we did in Edinburgh Fringe. But the big difference with doing a show like that compared to doing a show like Name Is was the fact that it was completely new and written material. So it was the first time as an actor, because I think as well, it's so rare, particularly in musical theatre, you get the opportunity to do something that is brand new and that you can be like, oh, I can put myself in this mm. and I can create this part. So if it does become a success and someone does take it on, then it can be something else and someone else will carry that performance and do something and it always have a bit of me in that part. I love that. Which, yeah, which is, was amazing. And that was probably my favourite show I've done. Also, Edinburgh is amazing. I'd say that anyone, any performer worth their salt should go to Edinburgh and just be an actor, perform, be a <laughs> performer and do like, if you can, just do like two or three shows, if you can be like, try and flex your muscles and get those, try and take those opportunities and go and see as much theatre as possible. I think that would be my highlight as a performer, um, just because I think that you very getting the opportunity to create something and feel like it was belonged to me. It's so rare. Yeah. Uh, it was just wonderful, and I think that's the reason why you become an actor beyond the drug of the applause is the artistic want to create something, want to have something for myself. What caused you to move away from performing? How was the transition? Well, it was basically a case of falling out of love with what performing is. Like, um, but I obviously love the drug, love the creativity, but the opportunities to do those amazing creative things don't necessarily mean that you're going to get paid a huge amount of money. And I wanted to have a more secure lifestyle. Um, I think that if, the full, the, all the sacrifice you make as a performer, the big sacrifice you're making is you, when someone goes, I've got a wedding next year, mm. can you be there? You go, maybe. And it's like, you, you can't, can't plan. Mm. Um, you can't plan to have a mortgage. You can't, you don't know when that big job's going to come along. You don't know when you're going to be financially secure enough to do make those big fun those big commitments and I was like I want to have a job which I'm paid and work nine to five and also then be able to do other things in my life outside the performing like I can go and see shows now rather than go am I able to get the money to be able to, to go and see this show that I really want to go and see and sit in the rubbish seats I can go <laughs> and like treat myself to go and see those shows so don't work those unsociable hours anymore it's a big thing. You have to work re really long days and untouchable hours. And that's also in the your real job as well. You have to do those kind of grinding hours mm. to 
supplement times to make sure you're available. If someone goes, oh, you got an audition tomorrow, can you get there for 11 o'clock? You go, yep, we've got to always be available. Yeah. And you've got to be able to make that commitment. So how did you find the transition from being a performer to doing a nine-to-five job? Um, I found it tough um, because it's that thing of since I was 10, all I'd want to do or want to be is a performer. So all you're thinking about and all my life was kind of geared towards trying to get into that world. And it was so much a part of who I was. It's I think it's very similar to a sportsman where it's like you basically are known as the cricketer, the footballer. At school, I was like known as the actor. Yeah. So when you go to drama school, you're like, known as the actor um and I was re when I decided I didn't want to want to do it anymore and he's even step away completely from the performing arts I was incredibly depressed like really really badly um I had to go and get therapy for it because there was a point when I remember standing on the bridge and just being like what's the point is and, it like you lost your identity? Yeah, mm. it was a huge part of, it was like I had to try and find who I was outside of the industry because I tied up so much of my life into that one thing. Um, so kind of unraveling that was difficult. And I have a really, like I said, a very good support like a network around me and people who love and care for me who are able to kind of help me and guide me into a position where now I feel comfortable um out when I finished performing like a couple of years afterwards I was just need to kind of scratch that itch and I did a couple of amateur shows and once I did those I was like oh no I'm I'm done I like oh. I feel comfortable in who I am now I feel that it was a part of my life that I really, really enjoyed, but it's no longer who I am. It was something that I kind of step out from and go, that was like what I was and who I am now is a different person. And as I kind of tried to like navigate this like life that we all lead, um, realizing that being like a great son and like uncle and, um, hopefully a good husband performing arts is very kind of self-interested pursuit you're not doing it for anyone else other than yourself really yeah to a certain extent. i get that I except get that. i mean there's also the people that because also there was that thing as well when i gave up you kind of do feel like you're letting people down who helped you along the way like i felt like at points i let my mum down let my granddad down and mm. all those people who kind of made financial sacrifices to be able to help me pursue a career uh, to be like, oh, uh, this is not, I don't love this anymore. This isn't mm. something that I want to pursue anymore. I can kind of delve into that, that if you want to or not. But like, I think it's more important to kind of be like, I've left that kind of side, yeah. aren't they? And now I've moved on and I've had some therapy and it was amazing. And it really helped me put me on the path that I'm on now. And I'm glad, and I wouldn't change what I've done or experienced the world. Mm. I also think it's really good that you you took a step back. You obviously found like you'd lost your purpose, so you, you you know dipped your toe back in the water, if you like, and then you could see it. It almost made you reaffirm to yourself that I think I 
I think I can leave this behind. Yeah. I did that actually once. I, I had a very, very short time in Rombay. I was sort of, do I do I still want to do this? Do I still get the thrill of it? And I was thinking, I'm just not feeling it in the same way because you can fall out of love with something that you are consuming absolutely every part of you into for such a long period of time. Then you go, I'm exhausted. It can be mentally, it can be physically. You're You're kind of done. And I think that it helps you to maybe go out, go back in, make sure. Yeah. And then go, yeah, okay, yeah. because then you're not always wondering what if that big question. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's always going to be if when you're pursuing, it's like, what if? And like, what if? Because it's the, so many what ifs in everyone's life. And it's like, I know people who've done very, very well and been very successful and I'm super happy for them. You're always going to wonder like, what if that was me? What if I had those opportunities? What if mm. I had a different agent? What if I met the right person in the bar at the right time? It's like all those things kind of yeah. can set you on the path. Like and also got to confront as well, like the horrible thing to be like is like, are you good enough? And you've got to trust in your talent the whole time. And I did trust in my talent and I thought, I'm all right, I'm good. I'm I'm I did well compared to some people, I did worse compared to others. And I'm had a very um fruitful life and the re i'm really happy with what i've done and what i've left behind Mm. and i can kind of carry those memories with me and i know that they make up the person i am now in terms of i've got a question for you like it must be like transitioning from ballet because i don't really like ballet compared to um acting kind of very different from what you said like so ballet is like basically you're in the army (laughs) <laughs> and they say you stand here you do this at this point and then you leave yeah I mean the in class it was it was like that you know you were you were given exercises and and then you had to execute them to the best of your ability and you were told it needed to be done again because it wasn't very good or yes it was good but do better next time you know it but and it was it was a constant you just had to work hard all the time but it was it was funny I never really thought about it I just I just did as I was told I never knew any better yeah I was just always doing yeah I was doing what I was told and then when I was told that I maybe should audition for the for the upper school I was like you know I felt like I was good enough so I did and then when I was offered the job in the company I was like yeah it's reaffirming that all the goodness all the hard work is paying off let's go but you don't really step back to go, is this what I want? Or am I happy? Or things like that. You almost yeah. don't have time. It's very fast paced and you're just go, go, go. Because ultimately all you're thinking about is how did I dance yesterday? How am I dancing today? How am I going to dance tomorrow? And you're not thinking beyond that. And Are you it's- not thinking about like, where is this leading to? Are you always going like, right, I know my goal is here. So how do I get to here? Yeah, I was I was like that, you know, I like I wanted to have my legs up by my ears, like Sylvie Guillaume, so I used to watch the videos. I think I said that on my first podcast. And I would just stretch all the time to get yeah, my yeah. legs up as high as I could to get the best jump, to get all, all of that. It was it was all very important. But I wasn't thinking too much beyond that. It was yeah. as far as I want to play that role the next time the production is on. And so I would start to work on things, but you could only push yourself as much as you could push yourself and we had no control over the castings we couldn't 
audition for certain roles it was almost offered to us based okay. on how we were performing in general that's really interesting yeah it's so, it's so it's, different isn't I mean, it it's, it's, it's <laughs> different but similar to being at drama school rather than when you're in the actual industry because when you're in drama school it's like it feels like they like break you down you go you know the person you are we're just going to strip that away from you <laughs> and they're going to have to build you back up Moldy. it does yeah it mm. does feel like they just go right this because you have to wear probably similar to ballet we have to wear blacks in our first like two years it's like you don't have an identity now you are like you are black trousers black shirt <laughs> everyone dresses the same you go into class you do the same yeah everyone does like things to kind of make trigger certain emotions and you get your rep i think like similar to ballet in a way, but you get your reps in and the more reps you get in, the more kind of the better you get. Yeah. Like the kind of ability to access certain emotions, be able to access those certain states. Practice to, makes progress. Yeah. Yeah. The more you can kind of um kind of engage and kind of bring up those certain things and feelings and be good uh what you do must be mm. similar. It's because it's like very I think there's similar arts but i think ballet is so much more about like you have to do this in a certain way and yeah. if you do this if you don't do it in that way then it's wrong yeah like my my hands had to be a certain way all very similar heads i remember i always had issues uh, i remember i was on stage in the Burma ballet and um i could hear i think it was desmond kelly shouting everyone do slightly more candies do slightly less because my although i thought i was doing the same as everyone else i was just always putting my head at a very slightly different angle. And it was, no matter how hard I tried, I was always a little bit different. And I always saw that as a negative thing, but it perhaps wasn't at all being you different. You should have been the star. That's <laughs> well, you should have been front, front and center. Because then I think, I do, do you feel as well that when you're doing ballet, because it's so like within every kind of theater, it's a weird, like a weird hierarchy. Like you get the, the leads and then mm. you get, the ensemble, yeah, and in, in music theatre was similar. Similarly, you get the leads and you get the ensemble. And if you're in the ensemble, it's very much like you have to be there at this point, and you have to make sure that you look like this. So then, a lead dancer who has a bit more freedom can then do their thing, yeah, and they're kind of allowed to kind of break and bend the rules a little bit more. I guess. I, I mean, it's 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 funny. We I've never thought of it like that, but we all had to do the same, and we had to be on the right spot, the right time, you know, it, it wasn't like that. But we were doing, like you said, with Name Is, it was like the history. It was it was created on people so many years ago. And we were in the position of people that had done it all that time ago, enjoying that we were in that part. And I did some solo roles. And we, although there was some freedom, we still had to do the same steps at the same time. But you could hold a balance a tiny bit longer and catch up on another bit. And so you could play around, I guess, like a song. You could yeah. you could change the way it sounded a little bit, suiting it a bit more to your style, to your nice. dance style. But going back, you've reminded me, in the Royal Ballet at the upper school, we did wear all the same color, but for the different years. So the first year we wore baby blue, and the second year was a navy blue or royal blue, actually. And the third year was burgundy. And I just remembered the baby blue, just like as much as it was absolutely gorgeous and nice to wear something of color. Yeah. But the sweat patches. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think with the black, it think, was not so good. <laughs> with the black, we had like things like animal studies and things like that, where you just get sweaty. But I think the black's way more forgiving. It's much more forgiving. <laughs> it's much more the forgiving. Baby the baby blue. <laughs> oh, I have some stories. <laughs> well, that's what this is for, isn't it? Yes, yeah, I will be going into it. So, what is the crazy big idea you would try if you knew you could not fail? I would love to have done more film and TV as a performer because I think that I think as well as a performer I know I'm quite big and I'm I talk a lot with my hands um I'm very expressive so on camera it comes across like I think I'm doing oh I'm being really subtle being a really really calm steady performance and then time <laughs> I was like this man is like a madman on camera. <laughs> so big. Really intense yeah, eyes yeah. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> really intense eyes. Um, but like, I think that I wish that I kind of worked on my craft more with camera. And I think that now probably you have way more opportunities to do that because everyone's got like a really good camera in their pocket that they can use mm. and practice with and do stuff tapes with. Whereas when I was younger and grad, I couldn't, didn't have that opportunity to kind of get that, op that option to work on those skills. Mm. And I think I would always perform thinking about row Z rather than row A. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something I wish that I could go back and really work on because I don't think as well um, I was – I had to work on everything I did as a performer. I was good at some things, but I, there was a lot of things I needed to work on to make myself good. and when I worked on them and I really kind of like laser focused on what I was doing, I constantly got better and constantly improved and kind of mm. gave me the career that I had. But I wish that I went back and I was able to, if I could go back and have like a really good camera and practice just being on screen, film myself doing scenes over and over mm. and over again, just to kind of experience and get those right and realize like that thing where you lifted your eyebrow, like you felt right in the moment is, the right thing to do but if you mm. do it on the screen it's suddenly like that's looks huge it's like it's yeah. too big um when you juggle your head around it looks too massive so you just need to i wish that i had the opportunity to go back work on that craft and then hope, hope would hopefully like i just give myself a like film and tv career <laughs> <laughs> well, actually it's a really good point for people listening who are wanting to pursue that is because it's important to see the very subtle things that you're doing on camera and so to just document as many things as you can even just doing you know reciting a book that you used to read as a child but add drama add something to it you know just anything to yeah. practice, to, to get practice. I mean I used to practice a lot my mum used to come into the studio and record me on the video camera and play it back and then see that you know my feet my feet weren't pointing or my hand was just a bit <laughs> floppy or just uh wasn't turning out my legs altogether um but now but, you've got the opportunity to do but that you can do it straight away it's instantly yeah. as well you can just play back straight away yeah yeah and I mean, just be like amazing. right what you can do the whole your whole dance your whole scene and just be like stop play it back and be like right that's as well this is work try again like just try do it like five six times mm. then watch them back we what was the bits that work what was the bits that didn't work yeah. I wish that like now I was alive of what's alive <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was alive I wish I was I wish I was performing um at drama school now and having that opportunity and but also now it's easy now because I know the industry better than obviously when you first go in you kind of go in big 
like big eyes like, oh my god this industry is amazing like just give me a part just give me anything and now yeah. i'm so much more cynical and just like <laughs> but i don't want to do that yeah i mean i think also when you grow up you become so wise to certain things i mean i i've said it you know god i wish i knew then what i know now going back into it i would have played everything so differently but i think everyone who has ever lived is probably saying a version of that yeah because and and that's life you experience it and that's the beauty of it is you you could always go back into things if you wanted to with your new mind with your wisdom i mean yeah. is that something that you would want to do even if it was to do your amateur plays or just to maybe try the tv film thing it's never oh, too late i don't know i don't think i don't think um i want to sacrifice the life i had now to try and pursue it again mm. i think that as a performer, the, the sacrifice you have to make to do it. Like, I, it's not fair on my partner, for example, to be like, oh, I've auditioned for a part and now I'm going to be away for five, six months. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't want to do. I mm-hmm. in that stage of my life now where I don't want to do that. Like, I, like, yeah, could I try? Maybe, but because of that passion of, like, I needing and wanting and it being my whole being mm. is not there anymore. Yeah. I don't think, it's not fair even to try because someone's going to be hungrier, desire it more. So they'll get it, they'll get it above me because they desire it more than me. Yeah. And they're willing to do anything to do that and pursue it. Um, and I'm just like not there. And if it, that fire comes back and like you, I'm not, you can't predict the future, maybe I would decide to like re-go and like have, try and shape myself a career Probably, I probably wouldn't want to be on stage necessarily now, though. I think I probably want to do some more stuff within theatre, mm. like working in theatre or film, like in a kind of behind the scenes category, like as You'd an agent be great or casting. At that. Um, yeah. But like, it's just something now that like I'm not, I don't feel the passion with me to do it. So it's not fair to kind of try yeah it makes sense it makes <laughs> it's sense. not fair on the people around me to try because yeah they have you kind of have to have them along they have to be willing to go on the ride with you and it's not fair to kind of be like i'm gonna do this and then be like whoa whoa, whoa. Mm. you're gonna the sacrifice you're having to drag me along with this as well I've, you you're my partner if we we've got bills to pay now we've got other we've got holidays want to go on it's like you can't make those commitments if you're no yeah they've got they've got to literally just be along for the ride yeah get it do you find that you've taken your skills and your drive and your hunger into what you're doing now can you tell us about what you're doing now oh it's pretty boring i think make it make it it seem exciting (laughs) oh god it's amazing um i think well um i've i don't i feel like i'm kind of I'll always have that within me, but I'll never have the same drive for anything else because it's kind of drains you and takes a lot out of you. So um, I live a life now where I'm pursuing like a regular, I would say a semi-regular nine to five job um, in like a project management for market research. I like, I love, do I love my job? Yes, I love my job, but I'm never going to be like, I'm going to sacrifice everything and stop everything I'm doing now. So if they were like, I'm on annual leave at the moment, if they were like, Daryl, can you um, come in? Because I really need you to do something. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to like Barbados. I'm going to go to Barcelona. I'm going to go away. I'm not going to just like sacrifice all of those things. 
that I would have done when I was a former. Mm. Like it would be, I can remember when I was on holiday in Barcelona when I was in Les Mis, and they were like, oh, we've got a call for you for the Les Mis film. And I was like, I'm on holiday. <laughs> it's like, even wow, then. Wow, um, really? I was, I was in a regular, like, because I was in a regular West End job at the time, I was like, whoa, 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 I got some time off. Give me like at least a week off to manage to get back and do it. But it's that thing of if I wasn't working, I just need to be, you need to be constantly available. And I mm. just wasn't, I'm not willing to do that anymore. Um, but I would never do that in, to my job now. Like I make myself available, but I've never had that like same passion because I think that no one ever, well, some people might, when they're 10 years old, people dream of being certain things. And I dreamed of being an actor. And I perceived that that was my thing that I wanted to do more than anything else. I sacrificed loads, like every single Monday to Thursday during, from when I was like 15 to 18, I was doing amateur theatre. So I would have like no time other than to do theatre. I was solely concentrated on trying to pursue a career as an actor. And I managed to do that. There's nothing else that I would have done or have done that can be similar to that. It's mm. impossible. It's kind of impossible to replicate. Um, I think that it's the, I, the only thing I can think of, because I've heard a lot of people, um, sportsmen talk about their pursuit and because you have a very short shelf life as a sportsman, yeah. you usually finish by like 30, maybe yeah. like 35. Yeah, it's very young. Um, and it felt very similar to those stories. Mm. What they were saying in terms of like, you feel like the huge part of who you are you're kind of just leaving and it's no longer, you're not, you're no longer the cricketer, the footballer, you are no longer the actor. So you'll never, the drive that you had to get there, it's very difficult to kind of replicate and put in something else. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I was a little lost there for some, for some time, you know, I was the ballerina and then I tried to do other things with seeing what fit. And although I am a really passionate person, it wasn't, like you said, you couldn't replicate that, that same drive until now, okay. you know, so that's a long, long time. But yeah. now all I think about is um, interviewing people and making people happy and helping people and doing this podcast. And I, it is, I'm literally thinking about it nonstop. So I know that I've found my thing, Yeah, which to have two in a lifetime like that, it's, it's amazing. I'm not saying it will never happen for me. But I don't feel that thing, that same desire or drive anything that I'm pursuing now. See, I think that your passion is now your family and your soon-to-be wife. That's what I think. <laughs> That's what I think it is. I think that you jump ship, so it's no longer the passion is in your career. You have moved it on to your family life. And I did for, yeah. for a while as well, you know, when I had my my kids and, you know, I love them with all my heart and I'm just, you know, but they're... There had to be a point where I was going, I can't just be a mum. It doesn't quite fit with who I am as a person, just me personally. I need to do, you know, to do the nurturing a bit in the beginning, but when they're going to school, now it's my time to do something else. But at the moment, your time is your family, your wedding. Yeah. I mean, are you happy? Oh, very happy. Yeah. Like I'm um I'm definitely happier than it's this is the weird thing as well. Like when I was performing, the highs are like really high mm. the buzz you get from it is incredibly high um but the lows are low they're like they feel really can be really low and depressed at certain points so trying to kind of like get out of that and like kind of find a nice middle ground mm. of balance 
I feel like I'm way more balanced than I've ever been in my life. Um, I feel so much more content with who I am. I'm kind of found who I am outside performing. Um, and my drive now is like to kind of build memories of my future wife and kind of pursue things I want to do and passions that I want. I'd like go to sport and see things and kind of experience things outside of their theatre and the stage. Mm. Um, and that's good in my drive. And that will hopefully, like, you know, I'll maybe reignite something else in me that makes me want to do something else. But I, I'm enjoying this, like, the position I'm in now where I feel, like, relaxed, balanced, comfortable. It's having been in a position in my life where I feel happy and I think that I think also that's like kind of massively undervalued like people always want to have that like big thing they're going for mm. but isn't it nice to just be like I'm content yeah with where I am it's that thing of you know you can go searching for things that make you happy but when you find internal happiness like it's within you all along. I yeah. think that's that that's what gets missed. And it's finding that within the different things that you do. Yeah. That you are so happy. Yeah. You know, I can I'm really feeling the energy when you talk about where you are now. So all I can say is, you know, congratulations on getting married. And I wish all <laughs> the best of luck for your future. And who knows, if even if you don't go back to the musical theatre, we should just go to a show together, yeah. go for drinks and just talk about how content we feel at this present moment. So yeah. thank you so much for your time, Daryl. It to... has been wonderful. <laughs> you were going to say something. Yeah, no, I was just going to say thank you so much and we, we should do this again sometime. Yeah. Maybe we should, or maybe I should do, we should do a show together. Yes, uh, it'll I, be the dark side. The dark, the dark, dark side sided. of theatre. <laughs> dark sided, dark sided candies and Daryl. I love it. That'd be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank You're you. You're a star. I don't know about you, but I was left reflecting a lot after this chat. The performing industry is so tough and teachers and trainers have to be tough on you in order to prepare you for it. I was also thinking about what truly makes someone happy. I think keeping your passions alive, no matter how big or small, and in the different areas of your life, is so important. Thank you so much for the support so far. I am so grateful to all of my listeners. Please follow on my socials, the links are in the show notes. And if you have any questions, want to talk to me about certain subjects, or even be a guest on my show, please get in touch. Don't forget to be fabulous and be you.